You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome, welcome, welcome to Fire It Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. I host the show each week as we look at the political systems here in the United States. So, the question of the day, or the question of the week, uh, is your head still spinning after the events of last week? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about those uh, events last week, along with some other things, right after we take care of our first order of business, as always, in updating you on where we stand in our battle with the coronavirus. Uh, To date, there have been 22.1 million cases of COVID-19 coronavirus reported. A total of 373,000 people have died from the disease. And as we are now keeping track of the vaccination progress going on, a total of about 6.7 million uh, vaccinations have occurred. Now, uh, taking a few minutes to kind of talk through those numbers, um, as, as you know, the pandemic now is almost fully one year old. And as, as I just said, we have had 22 million people infected by it. Uh, there continue to be some potential super spreader events, and we're going to talk about a really big one uh, that occurred uh, this past week in a few minutes. Uh, but I do want to talk about the vaccines. And, you know, just as a reminder, Uh, The Trump administration made a big fanfare and a big deal of the fact that by the end of 2020, they would have 20 million doses of the vaccine administered. Well, we are a little bit more than 25 percent of the way to that goal. And it seems that although, you know, through Operation Warp Speed, where the administration did admittedly a very good job of getting the vaccines through the development and testing and uh, trial phase. Uh, heads up, kudos, and thank you to the scientists, researchers, and medical professionals who made that happen. Uh, it seems that they are slow walking the effort in getting the American population vaccinated. Uh, something to keep in mind is you know, when there is a national emergency or a national disaster, there are elements of the government who are designated, designed, and equipped to respond in a rapid emergency fashion. Uh, And I'm speaking primarily of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which is the agency that responds when there's a hurricane or flooding or other major disaster here in the country. Questions are being raised as to how come FEMA has not been empowered to play a role in distributing the vaccinations of the coronavirus vaccine to the American population, since they are the agency most equipped to quickly mobilize and get relief uh, to where it's needed. It would seem logical that FEMA would be one of the primary agencies in getting this vaccination uh, out and into the American population. Just some food for thought there. Um, You know, why maybe it will occur? Who knows? But uh, why FEMA was not involved from Jump Street uh, is a big question that needs to be asked of the administration. So, you know, as I said, we've got six million doses already in arms uh, in, in the country. 
And, you know, it should be noted that the incoming Biden administration has already committed to making, you know, treatment, uh, development and release of additional vaccines, as well as vaccinations of the American population, a primary action uh, that it will start immediately upon taking office on January 20th. So we will see how the Biden administration uh, brings their plans uh, into play. They're already discussing relooking at the distribution pattern of how vaccines are going to be distributed. Uh, there are discussions about some things like uh, not withholding second doses to allow more vaccine to be distributed in the country. Uh, but I think you know that might be counterproductive. Uh, having those additional vaccines at the ready when people need them in you know three weeks is critically important to the overall effectiveness of the vaccination campaign. So you know it will remain to be seen what happens you know with the plans for vaccination. We will keep you posted as we learn more details each week right here on Fired Up. Uh, so last week, crazy week, and I, I think. I don't even know if that comes close. Um, started off the week, my plan was pretty straightforward. I uh, was going to focus attention on the elections in Georgia on Tuesday, and we are going to talk about that in this show. Uh, and then also uh, follow and review the final step in the certification of the vote uh, from the November election, and that is the uh, joint session of Congress getting together to read and certify the counts of electors from all 50 states. There was uh, some anticipated controversy there as uh, supporters of the current president uh, were committing to uh, taking some actions to uh, delay or replace uh, electors uh, put forward by the states with alternate electors that ha would have been selected from uh, those uh, people who were loyal to the president. Uh, basically, you know, that ended up not happening at all. The process went through, uh, the process went through quickly, as we'll talk about in a few minutes. There was a little hiccup uh, that we're, we're going to talk a little bit about. But uh, then, of course, you know, it would just be monitoring the rest of the news of the week in order to bring you the show as we do every Monday at 530 here right here on WJMS. Uh, didn't quite work out that way. So let's um, let's start off and we'll talk about the elections that occurred in Georgia on Tuesday. Uh, that was, uh, if you were not aware, Georgia had two Senate seats up for election. Uh, one was the normal rotation seat uh, of the you know, conclusion of a uh, six-year term. The second seat was a replacement seat for uh, Senator Isaacs, who was called uh, into uh, serve in a role in the Trump administration. And uh, that seat was filled by uh, Kelly uh, Loeffner. And her opponent, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, uh, was, you know, looking to unseat her and, and become the first 
African-American senator elected in the state of Georgia. And the other seat was a battle between incumbent Senator uh, Purdue and newcomer David Ossoff. And uh, the results, which actually didn't end up being finalized till nearly 3.30 in the morning on Wednesday, was that both Warnock and Ossoff, uh, both Democrats, uh, actually were victorious in their uh, goal of unseating the two senators uh, in Georgia. So uh, as a result of those victories, the Democrats now control by virtue of a 50-50 tie and uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who will take over as President of the Senate, being the tie-breaking voice, uh, or vote rather, uh, as we enter the Biden administration. So overall, what that means is that the possibilities for uh, President-elect Biden uh, to uh, move forward his agenda uh, got a little bit easier. And uh, frankly, I, although, you know, happy that the Democrats control the Senate, uh, I did think that it was actually going to end up being a 1-1 a split. Uh, and, you know, in, in expectation of that, I ended up staying up till about three in the morning until uh, the, the vote had reached a point where it was uh, a pretty clear certainty that you know, Ossoff was going to be victorious. Uh, Warnock won his race uh, much more handily, but Ossoff also uh, ended up uh, coming in the home stretch to defeat uh, Senator Perdue and take over. So Democrats now control the three branches of government. They uh, maintained their majority in the House. Uh, they now have uh, controlling interest in the Senate and they occupy the White House. So as we move into a, a new administration, uh, the Democrats uh, pulled off the trifecta and we shall see how that progresses in terms of getting you know needed policies and things done uh, so for the democrats that is extremely good news and congratulations to them on their victories and uh, now we will turn our attention to as i said last week uh, keeping them accountable to what they committed to do and the promises they've made uh, and being in communication so as always, you know, our, we have calls to action on this show. So our first call to action for 2021 is the same call to action we had in 2020. Make sure you stay in communication with your elected officials, both at the federal, the state, and the local level. So an exciting um, week, a, a cliffhanger uh, conclusion to the 2020 election. But now all the pieces are in place and all that remains is that on January 20th, uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris will take the oaths of office and become president and vice president of the United States for the next four years. And we congratulate them on their victories, uh, particularly Kamala Harris for her historic uh, rise to the vice presidency. Uh, becoming not only the first female vice president, but the first uh, female of uh, African descent and the first female of Asian American descent 
to uh, take on the role of Vice President of the United States. So the, an exciting time and a very historic moment. In, in addition to that, and we're going to talk in a minute or two about the next page in the, the chapter of last week. So we're going to talk about the next phase and the events of Wednesday, which changed uh, this country uh, forever in, in many ways. So uh, we will pick that conversation up right after we take a quick break uh, here through our first segment. And uh, you're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. We'll be right back after this very quick break. And welcome back. In our uh, last segment, we talked about the coronavirus and what happened on Tuesday down in Georgia with the elections. And as I said, it ended up being a long night uh, waiting to see when the uh, vote count uh, would turn in one way or another. And as I said, the uh, Democrats ended up taking both seats in that election in Georgia. And uh, so I uh, went off to bed, way expecting to get up on Wednesday and follow the second phase, which was going to be the uh, joint session of Congress, the House and the Senate together, as they reviewed and certified for the final time all of the votes uh, that had been tabulated uh, for the electors uh, from all 50 states in the 2020 presidential election. And uh, so... Got in, sat down, got comfortable, uh, turned on news sources uh, on a couple of different screens so that I could watch, uh, you know, and get information from different uh, views and perspectives. And uh, things progressed along. Uh, they got down to, I believe it was Arizona. And all of a sudden, the networks broke in with breaking news uh, as a crowd of people uh, had marched down Pennsylvania Avenue from a rally with Donald Trump that had occurred uh, a little bit earlier in the day ahead of the vote count uh, where, you know, as we'll talk about in a minute or two, where, you know, he basically riled up that crowd and uh, encouraged them uh, among other things, to uh, to be strong and to to fight what had uh, occurred and uh, to not let them take uh, or steal the vote. And then he extolled the crowd to uh, march down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol building and uh, demonstrate there. Um, and 
so as the crowd arrived, uh, as I watched, as the crowd arrived at the uh, the Capitol building, the, the seat of our government, and uh, what transpired was, uh, you know, uh, four and a half or five and a half hours of violent assault on the Capitol building. Uh, the Capitol Police, who were, you know, clearly uh, outmanned, uh, outnumbered, uh, tried their best to hold the line, but eventually they were, you know, overrun and, and bypassed. And we ended up watching the spectacle of, you know, uh, just a, a destructive mob running berserk through the Capitol building, uh, the seat of the government of the United States of America, uh, creating havoc, breaking windows, kicking in doors, uh, you know, un and what most interesting is not only was it covered uh, to a large extent by the media, but it was also live streamed and, and video streamed from just numerous social media accounts. And each of each of the 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 news outlets uh, were showing essentially the same thing, different angles, uh, different parts of the building, but essentially the same uh, thing is these unruly uh, mob of insurrectionists, which is is the word that is most most commonly being used uh, to describe them now in in the media and other places. Um, running amok through our Capitol building. Um, there are reports and there are videos uh, showing, you know, groups of these individuals uh, chanting to find and hang uh, Vice President Mike Pence as a traitor. Uh, there were other groups that were going down the hall uh, looking for Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi uh, talking about how you know they were coming for her, et cetera, et cetera, um, and you know just a an insane scene that just transpired on this this sacred ground, this hallowed ground of the United States of America, and you know as I watched this, realizing and and being very concerned and and almost scared as to what would happen if they managed to locate any of the elected officials now fortunately again um even though the capitol police and additional police units that finally did arrive uh they were able to get uh everyone in the the house chamber the congressmen, uh, congresspeople, and the senators out and into safe and secure locations, um, other, other places within the, the Capitol complex. Um, but it, it was clear that these individuals uh, meant to do harm to the elected officials of this country, not to mention the fact that if they had gotten uh, a hold of the the boxes that had the certification ballots from the states, uh, they basically could have thrown the election into a legal 
turmoil either through the destruction of those documents but not the least of which is that the chain of custody of those documents would have been irrevocably uh, destroyed and that would throw question as to the validity of the election which I gather was you know their purpose this event you know obviously this has been all the talk on the news uh, since Wednesday um, was was ended uh, you know in a way by the arrival of additional police resources from surrounding locales such as uh, Virginia Maryland uh, and, and Delaware and so forth, but really was something just shameful to watch. Um, and then a as we kind of begin the analysis process, uh, we look at the fact that, you know, this was not a spontaneous event. This was not organic. This did not just, you know, grow up uh, or, or come about you know, at like a flash mob. Um, this actually was a contrived and created event uh, fueled and fired by information, by statements and tweets and, and other communications from the President of the United States, from other elected officials who actively encouraged these people to gather uh, the president sent out an invite for, you know, his supporters to come to Washington, D.C. on, you know, January 6th and said, you know, it would be wild. Um, and then once they got there, they listened to a series of speakers, including, you know, Rudy Giuliani, who called for a, you know, controversy by combat and a few others who just fired up this crowd and you could see it in the in the crowd uh, you could see the 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 passion rising the energy rising um, the the rhetoric just uh, in, incited this crowd and then President Trump uh, calls for as in, in, in quote we will march down to the Capitol building and uh, to, to get these, these you know, protesters, uh, these potential insurgents, these, these rioters on their way. Uh, of course, Donald Trump didn't walk down to the, the Capitol building. He, he didn't go. He stayed and watched it on television with his family. But he, he put this, this process in motion. Uh, he incited these people and... and you know, riled them up, uh, got them all wound up, and then sent them rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue toward the state building where, you know, there, there was insufficient uh, police and security presence to basically stop the, the hundreds of people. And, and I don't have an exact count of how many people actually entered the Capitol building. I haven't seen a number for that yet. But there were literally thousands of people surrounding the Capitol building. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just interrupted the entire process of uh, certifying the vote. Uh, it stopped it and the uh, 
senators and congresspeople were escorted out of the chamber and into secure locations. Vice President Pence and his family who were in attendance were also escorted out by Secret Service, uh, as was uh, Nancy Pelosi. And for the next, as I said, for the next five hours, uh, we watched these people just run rampant through our, our Capitol building. Uh, and on top of that, a few things that happened, you know, during this is uh, there was at least one Republican uh, senator, uh, Josh Hawley, who actually sent out a fundraising request in the midst of this lockdown. Uh, he's out letting his people know uh, that they need to send money to support the fight. Um, you know, and, and the, the net result is... You know, there was significant damage done to the building. You know, windows were broken, doors were broken, furniture was overturned, fire extinguishers were sprayed around in the halls, uh, offices were were broken into and, and, and violated. Uh, there are pictures in, online and in the media of a protester, no, not a protester, a rioter, walking down the hall with the lectern that's used by Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and another picture of another of the, the rioters uh, sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office with his feet up on the desk and, and just all kinds of, of mayhem that occurred, not the least of which and the most important of which was that uh, four of the protesters uh, were actually killed in the, the events that transpired in the Capitol building along with a Capitol Police officer uh, who was beaten by a crowd and um, died of his wounds. Um, and just learning as of yesterday that uh, another Capitol Police officer uh, committed suicide the next day in a, a suicide attempt that has been linked to the uh, the insurrection at the Capitol building. Um, so, you know, e even though not a direct result of any conflict or interaction, um, medical people are, are looking at this as a related uh, homicide. You know, so the, the, the aftermath uh, of this, uh, and actually to give credit, to our elected officials, uh, about eight o'clock or so, um, after you know the building had been secured, and they were able to return to the chamber, they proceeded to continue with the process of certifying the votes, getting that completed, and even though you know it had been delayed, uh, it still did not finish until about three o'clock in the morning. But, you know, we have to give credit to the senators and congresspeople for their stand in saying, you know, that violence will not stand. Violence will not interrupt the transition of power in our in our government and that the rule of law is more important than the will of a mob. Now, as we look back at this, um, you know, in in hindsight, as we begin the process of uh, investigating and analyzing what happened. 
there are some interesting uh, points that are being brought up. Uh, probably the one that, that resonates the most with me, uh, as it does with, with many people of color in, in this country, is the response that was provided by the um, police and Capitol Police and those that that control the police and security forces from a management perspective, uh, it was clear that even though this rally and the gathering of these people and the, the incitement that they had already uh, been subjected to even before they arrived in Washington, D.C., that an event like this was not only possible, but likely. And yet the response from, you know, police in terms of their deployment plans and their security plans were woefully inadequate. Um, and there's, there have been calls and there are investigations ongoing as to just what the decision process was and why. Um, there are allegations out there that in, in some instances, members of the police and security force uh, tasked with protecting the building actually were allowing the insurgents uh, access, were allowing them to get past them. There's a video showing, you know, uh, police officers uh, opening gates to allow the insurgents through. Uh, there are, you know, numerous reports of police officers taking selfies with insurgents and, and just some very strange things that are going to need to be answered by uh, the leadership of not only the Capitol Police, but the Metropolitan D.C. Police and, and others. You know, another question that was raised is why wasn't the National Guard on alert and standing by, even if they were were staged, you know, outside the the, the district limits, uh, where they could have been there in minutes rather than hours. Uh, it, it's just clear that everybody and and their mother could see that this was brewing into what was going to be an ugly situation, and the response from the police, uh, aside from doing their duty of, you know, protecting the, the employees, uh, the staff, and the elected officials, which they did and did well, um, the overall response in terms of securing the building and preventing access and entry into the building uh, was woefully lacking. Um, it, it will be interesting to see as the investigations uh, proceed and as you know conclusions begin to be drawn as to what uh, was happening and and who knew what when and what decisions were made not the least of which is to keep in mind that in a little bit actually in two weeks on the 20th uh, the inauguration of uh, Joe Biden as president of the United States is going to occur uh, on those same stairs that the insurgents dashed up, uh, you know, pat this past Wednesday. So, you know, what's the security going to be like for that? Um, all anticipations are that the normal high level of security is going to be even heightened more now. Um, as there's already been notices put out through social media uh, calling for people to return 
uh, on the, the 17th and on the 20th uh, to the Capitol again. So, you know, we shall see what happens and what transpires. Uh, I will point out and echo one thing that I have heard from uh, many reporters, uh, both white and black, but a, a great number of, you know, black reporters have been talking about or the questions have been posed as to what the difference would have been if this protest wasn't, um, you know, the, the MAGA red hats and, and you know, QAnon and, and Proud Boys and all of this group. But what if it had been, you know, um, Black Lives Matter? What would the police response have been? And, you know, the consistent consensus seems to be it would have been a whole lot bloodier. And uh, unfortunately, I have to concur with that. Uh, you can come at me if you want. You can send your comments, uh, your disagreements, your critiques to firedupradio at yahoo.com. Be more than glad to uh, read them and we can talk about them on the air. But I have to tell you that this is not just a point of conjecture. Uh, go back in the media files and look at the police response to you know several Black Lives Matter uh, protest marches and marches around the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others. And look at the difference in the the level of physical response that you see, the number of police officers that were there uh, for crowds that were not as loud as large rather as what we saw in Washington D.C. last Wednesday. Um, it, it, there, it it clearly shows that there is in fact a different level of justice for one group in in, in versus another. So. Just you know, saying that if you wanna if you want to disagree, send an email to firedupradio at yahoo.com. Let me know what you think. The next point, and uh, actually what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our second break right here, and when we come back, we're gonna talk some more about the aftermath of Wednesday's event, along with uh, what transpired at the end of the week, uh, which some of you like me may find a little bit amusing. So. You're listening to Fired Up Radio right here on WJMS. This is Steve. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. We're kind of going over the events of last week. In particular, we were focusing on the, uh, the storming of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. by a large group of uh, Trump supporters uh, who were protesting the election. And that 
that protest went from just being a a large group of protesters outside the building to a large number i i don't know how many uh, actually got into the building but i would guesstimate that it was a couple of hundred and uh these individuals uh basically trashed the uh, the building. They broke into offices. Uh, they they were in the Senate chamber. They were in the House chamber. Uh, they were sitting, you know, in the the dais chairs uh, that had been just not too many minutes earlier occupied by the Vice President uh, and the Speaker of the House, uh, just uh, desecrating our our national landmark and the seat of our government. And you know, the reaction that has come in. Uh, from the nation uh, has been um, mixed, actually. Uh, I saw a poll today uh, that showed uh, something close to uh, 50, I, I want to say between 45 and 50 percent of uh, American people, uh, or Republicans in particular, uh, supported the protest. Um, and, you know, just amazing how we can look at people who are running amok, uh, who are breaking the law, and these are the same people that are supposed to be uh, supporting uh, a, a so-called law and order administration. Uh, just uh, the latest in you know a series of contradictions of terms, uh, that we have seen over the last four years under this president. Um, in, in the aftermath of this, uh, aside from the fact that uh, four of the protesters died uh, as a result of the protest and a Capitol Police officer was beaten and died from his wounds with another officer uh, perhaps so traumatized that he committed suicide, uh, the, the day after the protest. Uh, so, you know, not, not just a, a voicing of opinions, people died as a result of these actions. And, you know, that has to be dealt with and addressed uh, as we investigate and review and, and figure out uh, who is accountable for what happened. Well, for one thing, we know for a fact that the President of the United States is accountable for this uh, he, you know, incited these people, uh, he encouraged them, he, you know, basically uh, wound them up and sent them on their way down Pennsylvania Avenue to the state, uh, to the, the Capitol building with the intention of creating chaos. And, you know, there, there are others, um, you know, Senator Hawley, uh, has been seen, you know, and pictures are all over the media of early in the day, he walking, you know, in front of these protesters and, you know, encouraging them with a raised fist uh, going as he entered the Capitol building. Um, there were still, even after the violence of the day, uh, 130 congressmen uh, were voting to to overturn the election in Pennsylvania, uh, even you know after not only you know months and months of of lawsuits that were thrown out of court, uh, I believe the total now is up near sixty lawsuits that were uh, brought by the Trump campaign 
and were summarily rejected by the courts uh, all up and down the, the legal structure from uh, local and appeals courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. So, you know, in, as we look at the aftermath of this, uh, what we have seen is that there are some people uh, who, you know, have have said, you know, this is this is enough. I, I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, you know, and, you know, in, in at least the case of one uh, cabinet secretary, Betsy DeVos, the secretary of education, she actually has resigned. Uh, several other, you know, key White House staff people uh, have also resigned their positions. As I said earlier, the uh, chief of police of the Capitol Police uh, has resigned and is, you know, uh, ha- has stepped down from his post. Um, there will probably be more, and you know, we will see. There have been calls uh, in in the press for at least two senators uh, to uh, resign from from their elected office. Um, and that would be Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and Senator Josh Hawley, uh, both of, of whom are being asked to resign because of the comments they made uh, before the events of Wednesday, January 6th, uh, and also during and after that uh, showed that even in light of the damage and the death and all that transpired, uh, they were still, you know, calling for for protest and calling for overturning the election. Uh, clearly, you know, all served to to stoke the fire uh, as much as the actions and words of President Trump. Uh, you know, so as I said, as we proceed through, we are now, you know, as of the the broadcast of this show, not quite a week past this event and you know as more and more facts have come to light there have been you know a pretty substantial number of arrests I believe as of Sunday that there was something like 85 or 86 uh, people who had been arrested uh, by you know the FBI by state and federal officials uh, for their participation in the breach of the Capitol building, you know, in the the damage that was done, the injuries that were caused, and so forth, uh, with likely, you know, many more to come. Uh, one of the things that is most interesting is that a lot of the events that occurred inside uh, weren't necessarily reported out by the media, you know, the whether it was the television or print media, uh, it actually uh, was reported out via social media where, you know, protesters, and I keep calling them protesters, uh, rioters were, you know, uh, live streaming their, you know, their breach of the Capitol building on social media. Uh, They were, you know, there's a ton of selfies the FBI has been going through these and has been identifying individuals and, you know, just posting, asking for the help of the public uh, to identify these individuals and arrests are being made. Uh, notably, I saw a news report today where a newly elected state representative in West Virginia 
was arrested uh, based on his live streaming of his participation and his entering the Capitol building and cheering the crowd on and participating in all of the mayhem. So you know, there, there's going to be more arrests that come out of this. Uh, there's going to be, you know, more calls for uh, various uh, people and officials to resign uh, or be fired. And this is traveling all the way up the line to the president of the United States. So what has transpired with President Trump since this event is that there have been, you know, almost immediate calls for him to, you know, either uh, resign his office and and leave Washington, D.C. to uh, have the vice president and members of the cabinet exercise the uh, fourth paragraph of the 25th Amendment and remove the president from office uh, under the, you know, unfit uh, to to uh, execute the duties of president clause in the 25th Amendment. And the uh, House has already, as of uh, Saturday, drafted a single article uh, resolution of impeachment that they will vote on today and present to the Senate. So, you know, each of these each of these uh, these um, accountability tasks, if you want to call them, uh, or punishments, um, have pro and cons. Uh, there's also a fourth one, which uh, some political leaders are saying is just essentially to do nothing and let his term expire. President Trump leaves office in like you know ten days as of the day of this show, um, and. You know, there are some who are just saying, just, you know, let his term expire and, and let him leave. Then interesting discussion was held on that. And, you know, that there are, there are pros and cons to the three uh, courses I mentioned, uh, as well as, as letting his, his term expire. And, and let's take a look at them. So if the president uh, decides to resign, um, much like what happened with Richard Nixon in light of the you know, loss of congressional support during the Watergate scandal in the early 70s. Um, if, you know, he is allowed to resign as president of the United States, of course, Mike Pence takes over as president uh, under the, the chain of succession, um, they, there's a, a pro to that in that, you know, essentially he's out quickly. Um, you know, Nixon announced his, uh, his resignation, uh, and was gone by noon the following day. Uh, if there is a resignation, uh, one of the things that some people have expressed concern about is the fact that Donald Trump has made, uh, a lot of statements about, possibly running for office again in 2024. And if he should resign, uh, there would be no restriction on whether or not he could hold future elected office. Uh, so, you know, there, there's that, you know, and, and that's part of the, the weighing of the possibilities of resignation. Uh, if the vice president and members of cabinet go forward 
with exercising Article 4 of the 25th Amendment. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, like resignation, that would be a very quick uh, transition. It is something where, um, you know, they draft the letter uh, to go to the Senate and, you know, inform the president that they are removing him from office and installing the vice president as the president of the United States in his place. So he would be out of office quickly. Uh, on the, the con side of that, like resignation, there is no restriction on him running for a future office. Uh, it, it does not uh, have any impact on his federal uh, benefits that he's entitled to as a former president. And, you know, it, it probably wouldn't go far enough in terms of uh, what some feel would be a just uh, accountability for what he has done. The third element that I mentioned is impeachment. Now, this is one that is uh, trickier than the other two in that it requires it requires that the articles be drafted and approved and voted out of the House of Representatives uh, and then be handed over to the Senate for um, the trial and, and prosecution of the impeachment. And, you know, Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate still, uh, has committed that, you know, he would not take up a a vote to impeach uh, the president in the Senate until, you know, after the inauguration. Um, the, the, you know, positive side of impeachment is if they are successful, that not only is he removed from office, uh, he also would be precluded from holding any other elected office for the remainder of his lifetime. Um, the 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 against side of that is it is highly unlikely that the process can be uh, started and finished within the 10 days remaining of you know President Trump's term. Now, that's not to say that, you know, he still could not be impeached and convicted. And, you know, after he is out of office with the. Uh, punishment being that he would be precluded from holding elected office uh, beyond that, uh, as well as the loss of his federal benefits, including, you know, pension and Secret Service protection and so on and so forth. The fourth element is to uh, let him basically finish out his days uh, as president and to uh, leave Washington on the 20th uh, when Joe Biden is sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. Um, you know, the, the, the upside of this is that it is um, probably the easiest from an action level uh, thing to take. The, the downside of it is there are many people, you know, elected officials as well as, you know, American people who believe that Donald Trump uh, has some some heavy responsibility for this and is deserving of being held accountable for it and having a punishment of some kind uh, be administered. So to just let him ride out uh, the balance of his term as well as maintain his eligibility 
for his federal benefits, you know, pension, as I mentioned, Secret Service, staff, and and so forth. Uh, some people uh, believe that it, it is something that he is neither worthy of or deserving of. Um, so it remains to be seen what is going to transpire. Um, I, I don't have a clue as to which way it's going to go. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if I was advising, uh, the president, you know, president Trump, I would be one of the chorus of voices telling him that, you know, he needs to resign. Uh, he needs to end it now and, you know, leave Washington, D.C. Um, if, you know, if the 25th Amendment is invoked, uh, that would be yet another black mark on his record and his legacy. And if he's impeached, uh, he would be the only president in American history to ever have been impeached twice in one term. Uh, even if they, they don't have time enough to convict him, but yet merely uh, strip his ability to hold future elected office and, you know, his federal benefits, it still would be that second stain on, you know, the, the legacy of President Trump. It's clear that the intent of the House is to pass the article of impeachment and hand it over to the Senate. Now, whether or not enough uh, political pressure can be applied to Mitch McConnell in order to get him to move forward with it remains to be seen. There's also one other um, a advantage to, uh, to Trump leaving office, uh, whether through resignation, the 25th Amendment, um, or perhaps impeachment, is that he could then perhaps look to see that the you know, vice president, who would then become president through chain of succession, uh, could then issue him a pardon. Um, personally, if if I had my way and if I had the vice president's ear, I would advise him uh, very strongly that if that opportunity presents itself to you, sir, do not take it. Um, Donald Trump does not need a get out of jail card. Uh, he has done tremendous damage to this country through his four-year term, and he owes uh, at least some modicum of retribution for that. Uh, but that, you know, again, it's my opinion. If you think differently, uh, send an email, firedupradio at yahoo.com, and, you know, let's have a discussion about it. Um, you know, it, it, is, it is amazing that all of this destruction, all of this, this damage, and the damage to, you know, our reputation. Um, you know, I, I've, I've seen news reports from other countries where, you know, leaders have said, you know, it, is this America? This is not what we, you know, are used to seeing from the United States. Uh, we are used to seeing this happen in, you know, countries run by dictators uh, where, you know, uh, over overthrow the government is is a a thing, not in the United States of America. Um, that's damage to our reputation that the incoming administration is going to have to work long and hard to cure, and it it shouldn't have been that way. So, 
that took us through Wednesday and into Thursday. Um, and then on Friday, uh, we got, you know, some more news uh, related to the, the siege of the Capitol. And that was that Twitter, uh, which had banned or which had suspended his account uh, just prior to the, uh, to the votes on Tuesday and the events on Wednesday, actually permanently banned uh, President Donald Trump from Twitter for life uh, on Friday. And that was followed suit by several other social media platforms um, who have you know, placed uh, uh, restrictions on the president's use of their platform either through Inauguration Day or permanently. Um, but, you know, a huge megaphone for Donald Trump has been turned off, sort of poetic justice. Uh, it, it, it goes to, you know, the fact that actions have consequences, some big, some small. Um, Donald Trump losing his Twitter privileges for the rest of his life uh, is a, a pretty significant impact. Now, it's not to say, you know, he may find another way to get his message out over Twitter. I, I don't doubt that. But, you know, he should be aware that Twitter is going to be on the watch. So, you know, if he's going to try and communicate out, you know, through uh, his family members or, you know, through Rudy Giuliani, Twitter's going to be looking for, you know, Trump-related tweets under anybody's label. And it's probably going to take action and delete them as soon as they they find them. So we'll see what goes on with that. Um, but there's, you know, admittedly some small little bit of satisfaction there. Although I would say to social media and to Twitter specifically, what the F took you so long? He has been using your platform as a propaganda machine for years. Why did ha and, and I realize that the attack on the Capitol was the red line for you, but this could have been done a long time ago and probably would have would have diffused, if not deflated, some of the the anger and rage that his followers feel uh, that is being fed through his social media access. So. Again, social media, you have uh, a, a small little uh, snippet of uh, accountability in this as well. So that ended a, a tumultuous week. Um, it, it is a week that our children's children's children are going to be talking about uh, for generations to come. Uh, you know, the, the siege of the Capitol uh, in January of 2021. Um, it, it is, you know, clearly something that has created a huge wound in our country that we, the people, uh, are going to need to work hard together to heal. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fine that we have different political views. It's fine that, you know, we have uh, perspectives that are, you know, different based on our lived experiences. What is not fine is when those differences manifest themselves in the form of violence 
and you know insurrection and and damage and death uh that it, that is not the american way that's not who we are as a country yes we're divided yes we have people on both sides of the divide who feel strongly about their opinions that's okay we can have discussions about that we can talk about that we can work together and find common ground but violence and destruction are not the solution so with that being said that's going to wrap up our show for this week um as you notice uh we've we've increased the number of segments um there's there's been an adjustment in that there's uh no music break uh other than a a few you know seconds of transitional music uh there'll be some more changes coming i started to talk about them last week um, but of course this this week just blew everything out of the water so we'll We'll talk more about how Fired Up Radio is going to to change over the coming uh, weeks and months. And until then, I look forward to speaking with you again. Please, everyone, stay safe, stay calm, uh, wear your mask, maintain your distancing, wash your hands. Let, let's make sure we, we try and limit the spread of this, this virus uh, as best we can. All right. And until then, I will talk to you all again in seven days. Take care, everyone. This is not-